welcome to the Sarah Explains It All podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm Sarah, and if you don't know, I am a menstrual cycle coach who teaches women and women business owners how to harness the power of their natural energy cycles to avoid overwhelm and burnout and create more success in their lives and businesses. I am so excited to have Leah Horton on with me today. She is a fellow Health Coach Institute graduate. Go HCI. Uh, Hi, Leah. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you, Sarah? I am fabulous. Thank you very much. Can you just give us a little bit of an introduction as to who you are and what you do, please? Yes. So, uh, I mean, you already hit the highlights. My name is Leah Horton. Um, I am a health coach Institute graduate. I have, I did the health and life program, um, a couple of years ago. And, um, actually it's funny. I got into it with the idea of it just being like a side hustle. And then it turns out I loved it so much that I, uh, exited from my day job and now do it full time, which is amazing. Um, And I think, you know, I got into it like most people do, like our own personal health struggles kind of land us there and um, had this like drive to help women with what I struggled with. So it was a perfect combination of kind of my natural skills and my passion. And I have not looked back since. (laughs) Fantastic. And we need that, right? We need people like you who are passionate and who talk about the things. I mean, I can raise my hand. I definitely talk about the taboo, Um, but to talk about the things people don't normally talk about. Um, And like we talked about before, intuitive eating is such a buzzword and everyone's like, oh, you just don't diet anymore. You don't do this. You just eat intuitively. Well, what the heck does that even mean? I mean, yeah. I class myself as pretty on it with food and macros and tracking and all of that stuff. But equally, I think we're taught a lot of times to ignore our, our intuition as we are with menstrual cycle awareness, as, as you're aware. But, you know, it, it goes with everything. It goes with food. It goes with drinking. It goes with anything that we do. So can you please give us a simplistic version of what, or definition, should I say, of what intuitive eating is. Yeah. Um, and so like, I think, I guess, like I should have probably said that I identify as uh, an anti-diet health coach, which yes! is, you know, the, the number one principle is uh, to reject kind of diet mentality. And I got into this work uh, because I struggled with dieting. And um, I think there's a lot of appeal into in dieting because we want to, we're told, we're sold this dream of like, okay, if you do this, then you will get this body type. You will lose this weight. There's, you know, all the the calorie counters and everything you figure out uh what your bmr is and what your tdee is and then like you'll lose this amount of weight per week and it's this beautiful formula that we think is going to be like the win for us of like okay this is it's going to be different this time and the reality is is that for most people that doesn't actually work right um mm-hmm. our body is not a simple equation and but we find comfort in having this idea of control over uh what we're eating and um and having like a list of like okay these foods are good for you and these are bad for you and there's just um 
we like to have a lot of control is really the thing. So I, intuitive eating is scary for people because they think it means that you don't have any control and that you're going to go completely off the rails. But intuitive eating was uh, created by a couple of dietitians in the 90s, actually. And basically, they recognized that all of the stuff they learned in nutrition school um, was not really working for most of their clients. They would lose the weight temporarily and then it would come back or they like really struggled with their mental health around eating. And they, you know, obviously worked with a lot of people with like eating disorders. And so they created the 10 principles of intuitive eating as a way of counteracting diet culture and teaching people how to connect to their own body cues and learn to trust their bodies again. Because every time you're following a diet, you're following somebody else's rule book, right? Mm. When you should be eating, how you should be eating, what you should be eating. And intuitive eating, I like to say, is really you creating your own rule book for yourself because every body is different. So what works for one person is not necessarily going to work for you. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I guess my question would be, because I track macros because I lift weights and I'm trying to lose a bit of fat so I can see the muscles that I've created, (laughs) little muscles that I've created, um, Would intuitive eating be something that could also help me as opposed to track it? And for those of you who don't know, macros with the three macros would be uh, carbohydrates, protein and fat, calories in, calories out, all of that kind of stuff. But intuitive eating, would would that be another way that we could go about it? I maybe don't need to count macros. I could just intuitively eat and still lose the weight and... Um, or lose the fat rather and see the hard work I put in. Yeah, what's interesting about intuitive eating is that it is um, basically rejecting the idea of having to count everything, anything and everything and intentionally changing your body. So like pursuing intentional weight loss or fat loss actually goes against the principles of intuitive eating. However, um, it is health supportive. And if you're one, there's, it's not saying you can't lose weight and that you can't build muscle, right? It's mm. just, that's not the primary intention. Of right. If that happens as a side effect of following intuitive eating, that is fantastic. Um, the goal is just for us to be like recognizing that everybody is different and some people will naturally be heavier than other people. Some people, uh, you know, all of our genetics are different and some people will be able to build muscle and have visible muscle that we can see. And some of us won't like, I will constantly always have a lovely little layer of fat covering up my biceps and that's cool. But I know that I'm really strong and, uh, it's not a priority for me to actually be able to see that because I know what I my body is capable of. Yeah. And so it's really about accepting like where your body is at and having healthful intentions, regardless of um, the aesthetic outcome of that. Yeah. And I, and I, and I guess, sorry, that it is again, taking away from that deprivation side of it. Right. So like those, so like, I don't feel deprived, so to speak, counting macros or whatever again every different for everyone but with intuitive eating it is healing that relationship is that correct with food and mind and body and you know and it's a great way when you aren't you know in a fat loss phase whatever like I would be in to then naturally go into that intuitive eating because that is the main goal is to live in that intuitive eating way of life, isn't it? 
Yeah, exactly. And we're all born intuitive eaters, right? Like if you, you picture kids, they naturally kind of know when they're full and like when they don't want something, if something isn't good, like, and they'll tell you like, Hey, I really want cheese right now. And, um, you, you, they, they know that, but then we start getting our hands on them of telling them things like, Nope, you can't leave the table until your plate is clear, or, uh, you can't have dessert until you eat all your vegetables. And all of those things start to change our relationship with food and intuitive eating is especially powerful for people that have that disordered relationship with food, where their relationship with food has a negative impact on their mental health as well. Um, and you know, that's, that was how it was for me. I had my bout of counting macros and calories, and I never got the end result I wanted. And I was sacrificing my emotional and mental health, and even probably my physical health, like drastically under eating and trying to make my body something that it wasn't. Um, and so intuitive eating was very, peaceful for me. It was finding what worked for me and, um, having that acceptance to it, um, Mm -hmm. and being able to take healthful actions without focusing on like, what does the scale say this week? Or, and it's not to say like, if, if counting macros works great for you, then awesome. Rock on. But it's not something that is, uh, helpful for everyone. So it's great to have an alternative framework out there. Yeah. And I, you know, like again, macros, I think are very much a, a, a means to an end, right? Like the end result for me is to live in an intuitive eating sort of lifestyle. I don't want to be tied to my food scale all the time. Right. And equally, Um, I don't want my daughter to be tied to a food scale either. So when you're using or practicing or embodying this intuitive eating, how does that come with food waste then? Because that's a real big buzzword. So obviously with children, you make their plate because you're the adult. Um, But what if they do get full? Do you then just portion it back out so that you can have leftovers from that? Or do you bin it? Like, what do you do? How would you, how would you, um, what's the word I'm looking for? How would you manage that side of it? And it's, it's going to depend on like kind of what it is. Like, does it keep well as a a leftover or not? Yeah, true. It's not ice cream, Um, right? Like, yeah, yeah. And, and there is this, uh, like, I know a lot of people have a hard time just throwing food away and they think that it's wasteful. And I grew up in an era where like my mom would tell me there's starving kids in Africa. your food, right? Yes. Um, but you know, something that really kind of helped me is like that food on that plate is not actually like helping everything. Is anybody, you know, and it's already like a, a sunk cost, right? You've already like it's done its job. And for me, I compost, and so like the idea of like transferring that food to the compost bin, it's not going to waste. It's being used. It's yeah. going to uh, go into our garden, which grows more food or whatever. You know, like it, it's there isn't that, um, I guess, disappointment or like fear, fear, like I'm wasting an expense or like yeah. something to it. Um, but we're also like big fans of leftovers. Like I, <laughs> I'll eat like a half a container and realize like one of the principles is like honoring your hunger and fullness. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if I notice I'm getting full and like, I've only eaten half my lunch, it just goes straight back in the fridge. Right. And that's no big deal. And I'll eat it later. And if I don't, and it ends up spoiling it'll go out into the bin later and that's fine too yeah and I love the compost idea like I grew up in the states we had massive I mean 
compost, go to the compost every single night with the stuff that you had from the fridge or whatever. It's slightly more challenging in the UK, but again, not 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 doable. You can definitely do it. We've got allotments around and things like that. So it, I think, would just take a bit more thought and a bit more. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, foresight, I suppose. If the children aren't like. My daughter doesn't mix her food anyway. So if she doesn't eat all her veg, I can just pop it back in and I'll eat it later. Like I'm not that fussed. Um, but I love that. I love that there is a way that you can manage that because I do know that food waste is a real big topic in the world these days, um, mainly from the grocery stores and not from our leftovers. But, you know, it's all a bit of the same. Um and I love how, and then I suppose as well, like as you do it and as you get better at recognizing other people's stomachs, you then start to have less of that food waste because you're able to um, eyeball it, which is probably not the correct term, but you're able to look at the plate and go, actually, yeah, I know that that will fill my child up and there won't be much left. Yeah. Yeah, it's all just data gathering, right? Of like, oh, okay. Like, and it's what's really important, especially in dealing with kids, is not to have any judgment around like how much they're eating. And, you know, it's going to change day to day. Like, you may think, like, okay, I've got it nailed down. Like, this is exactly what they need. And then the next day, they're, they don't want, they only eat half of it. Or a couple of days later, they're still hungry afterward. And that's just part of the process. And it's learning to trust them to be their body's best expert. And just, you're there to help facilitate them honoring their body's needs. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> no, it absolutely does. Because again, you're putting, you're almost saying to, they, they know their bodies best, right? Like I always say to my daughter, if you don't tell me where it hurts, I can't tell you because I'm not in your body. I don't know what's going on in your body because I'm not in it. You have to talk to me. And it also, we've had this conversation around language quite a lot recently, like children not having the right language to explain what it is they're feeling or why they think they have a stomach ache or why they think their head feels a bit fuzzy or it feels like bumblebees in their body or what, they don't have the right language for so much. And so it's a beautiful idea and practice to create and to facilitate that language, right? Because we seem to have lost it as we've gotten older. <laughs> you yeah, know? it's funny. I, you know, talking to clients about like, okay, what does like hunger feel like in your body? Or what is like fullness? Like, how do you know the difference between eating a meal and a snack? And we're so out of touch with our bodies. Like we have no idea what it feels like. We think that Oh, hungry is like when my stomach is physically grumbling. And it's like, actually, it could be like a whole bunch of different things. Like it could just be low energy. It could be, you find yourself getting a little cranky. You could be lightheaded. You could have a hard time focusing. Like there's lots of ways that your body talks to you. Um, but you have to first be listening for it, right? Yes, That's the thing. Yes. Like, you know, we're plugged into devices. We're go, go, go. We're not actually paying attention to what's happening in this vessel and what it might be trying to tell us. <laughs> um, you know, we see this a lot with uh, people just like they eat at a scheduled time because it's time to eat, <laughs> uh, right? Like it's noon, mm -hmm. it's time um, and we may or may not be hungry, right? 
So how do you manage that then? Because I was thinking about myself, like I ate lunch today. I wasn't overly hungry, but I work in a primary school. I have this time to have my lunch. I can have it before or I could have it after. But then I've got kids back to back until the end of the school day. So by the time I'm finished, I need to go home and then it's nearly dinner time. So do I then just not eat because I'm not hungry at that time? Or like, how would you manage that then? For those yeah. of those moms that work. Yeah, there is a level of practicality that has to be taken into account yeah. um, of like, we don't always have the privilege of being able to only eat when we're hungry and stop when we're full. And like, it, it's this perfect system. Um, and I'm the same way. Like if I've got, you know, a few back to back clients, it's like, oh, okay, I better eat something. Um, but I think the, you know, there is a little bit of planning that goes involved but it's also like, okay, if you're eating earlier than you want, maybe it means like you don't eat like the entire like lunch, normal lunch size that you portion out because then you'd be like overly full and feel kind of miserable. Mm -hmm. um, but maybe then that means like you have a, like a quick snack uh, before you head home at the end of the day so that when you get home, you're not starving and like going through the, the pantry or the fridge trying to raid anything because you, you need food. Um, so it's really like learning what is going to work best for you. And yeah, sometimes we will be time bound, but we can also still check in with our body and honor what our body needs while having that level of practicality. Yeah. And, and equally, like I asked the question because whilst I would most likely do that, it's nice to have someone else sort of validate and give you those tips and tricks because it's not, you know, I do menstrual cycle awareness and people are like, well, I can't not go to work on my first day of my cycle. And it's like, of course you can't, but there are ways that you can make it easier and more comfortable on yourself. But we don't think about these things ever. <laughs> Because again, I think we're so used to just having our routine and it always being the same. And that's how it's always been done, that we don't necessarily think outside of the box. Exactly. Yes, we get to be creative and come up with solutions that work for us um, instead. You know, and I think like a lot of times when people are trying to get healthier or whatever, it, it's like this big thing and they think they got to like do it like go big or go home. And it's like, no, we really want to make this work for you and have it fit into your life instead of trying to make your life fit around this, this thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's what, what's that saying? They say at HCI, small hinges swing big doors, I think. <laughs> and that's very much it, right? It's that tiny habits, um, lifestyle or habit stacking or whatever buzzword you want to use today it is about making small adjustable attainable and sustainable changes within your lifestyle so if you wanted I mean obviously the best thing if you want to start to intuitively eat is to reach out and work with you but if you want to start using this intuitive eating method what would you say would be sort of your top three things that you would look at doing, at changing, at tweaking? Yeah. So the first thing that I would recommend is to uh, not be eating with distractions mm -hmm. um, and to really just learn, start having that connection with your body when you're eating, you know, we're usually like scrolling Facebook or watching TV or, um, you know, whatever it is. We don't often just focus on just eating. Um, and that can be a really great way to start listening for like those fullness cues. Right. 
at what length of time, because I know this is really important, what length of time would you suggest your lunch be? Yeah. So uh, the, the guiding principle is typically 20 minutes um, for a meal. But for most people, I don't think that's necessarily realistic, especially when it's like lunchtime or you're trying to eat between um, classes or whatever. Um, and so really it's like, start with where you're at. Like, so right now, if it takes you like typically five to seven minutes to like scarf down your meal, um, shoot for 10, right? Just like gradually start increasing the amount of time that it's taking you. And so like what that can look like is, uh, like actually putting your food down in between bites and like actually chewing your food more and, um, really starting to pay attention to like, I like to engage all five senses. We don't often like actually engage our senses when we're eating, we maybe taste our food, <laughs> maybe, um, but really noticing like, what does the texture feel like? And what does like the crunch of this lettuce like sound like? And really starting to notice all of that and turn up that dial on the mindfulness. Yeah, I definitely had lunch today and noticed that my food had no flavor. <laughs> I was like, mm, I normally have a bit of spice that I put on top of it. And I was in another room having lunch and I was like, yeah. I would get through this quick because it's not, it's not very nice. Um, so I love that. I love, and again, it's just, it's also just taking yourself, take, put your phone away, just put your mm -hmm. phone away, right? Like, and I struggle to not read when I eat because I've gotten into a, not a bad habit, but I love reading. And so anytime I'm doing something that I class as downtime, which I class eating as downtime, mm -hmm. I read. But I'm going to challenge myself to try not to read mm -hmm. so that I can engage all five senses. And again, it's like, just pick like one meal to try mm. it at. You don't have to like completely up, upheaval your process. And, and I don't think it's a bad thing to be reading while you're eating, but it's also making sure that you're intentionally checking in with yourself and paying attention to your food. It's like, okay, like read a page and then like check in, like, Hey, am I hungry? Cool. Like how are things going? How are things tasting? Right. Um, instead of just like mindlessly shoveling while we're reading. You know, so how would you, how would you know that you were full though? Because I think a lot of people really struggle with that. They only know if they're hungry or maybe they don't because they eat at a certain time every day. Yeah. Um, you know, so how would you even know? Yeah. And what's great is like, it's different for everyone. Right. And, um, you know, it's, it's really on the spectrum. I think a lot of people are like, so out of touch with their body that it feels like it's just like an on or off switch. Like I'm either hungry or I'm not, I'm either full or I'm not. But the reality is, is that it happens on a gradient. And so, um, you know, we have kind of this hunger and fullness scale. It's like a one to 10 of like tens, like you're that post holiday stuffed, like you're gonna have to roll me yeah. out of the room kind of feeling and a zero is like, Oh my God, I'm starving to death. Right. And that every number on the scale is going to feel different for everyone. And so fullness for me, if I described what fullness feels like for me, that may be completely different than it feels like for you. Um, most people tend to overeat, um, and go beyond like a satisfied fullness level to being kind of unpleasant where we really want to be ending at like a neutral, um, fullness level. And so for me that like, I can actually physically feel the heaviness in my stomach, but also my mood is a little bit better. I have a little bit more energy. I'm able to focus on things where I stop thinking about food, right? That's an indicator of like being full, um, 
and really making sure that I'm not going beyond that. And part of that is slowing down and having this like not being distracted and really listening for those cues. Um, and it takes some trial and error of like figuring out what that is for you. You know, when I first kind of started playing around with the scale, I was like, you know, you kind of want to stop around like a seven on the scale. Um, and I would feel like I was stopping at a seven, but then like an hour later, I'd still be hungry. And it's like, oh, okay. Like maybe that was more of a six. So let's like do a few more bites next time and see like what that feels like. And we just get to play around with it and, um, just get curious about what those different sensations feel like for us. And if you were still slightly hungry after you finished eating, would you wait a certain amount of time to see if that was just, you were full or you were your food, you know, cause they used to say something like wait 10 minutes and that's your food digesting kind of thing. Do you in, in, in intuitive eating, do you recommend that or do you not at all? Um, like if it's been like an hour or something since I've eaten, I know my hunger signal. Yeah. Like I know that that that's still hungry. If it's like 10 minutes after I've still eaten, like I've done, I'm done eating, I'll maybe give it a little bit to, because okay. I know it takes 20 to 30 minutes for our brain to kind of catch up <laughs> to our stomach. But I am going to, like, if it is actually true hunger, I am going to eat. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I think is always like funny that we hear a lot, like, especially if you're getting hungry diet culture has kind of told us like, oh, just drink some water. Like, and we, we talked about this, didn't yeah. we? <laughs> and it's crazy because that's conditioning you to not be able to recognize the difference between hunger and thirst. Mm-hmm. But I know the difference between hunger and thirst. Like hunger is happening more in my stomach and my head and thirst is happening like in my mouth and my throat. Like right now I could really go for some water. <laughs> like, yeah. I know the difference. But equally, lots of people don't know the difference or they do, but they ignore the fact that they know the difference because we have been taught, conditioned, trained Mm -hmm. to go, oh, well, I'll have a big glass of water before I eat and then I won't eat as much. Yeah. You know, and it does. It makes it really, really, really challenging because you are not challenging, but intuitive eating effectively flips everything we've been taught about eating on its head doesn't it it does it does it is a complete rebuttal to anything that's diet culture which is the most you know pervasive culture that we have I think in our society and it's really sneaky like you don't even realize it sometimes um but you find like these like I so many people I talk to like they're like oh my god I do so well throughout the day and then at night I just go home and I just like can't stop eating and it's like that's because you're not eating enough throughout the day. <laughs> that's like your yeah. body telling you like physically need more food, but they think they're doing so well because they're following like this calorie count or this diet or whatever. And um, yeah, it's, it's crazy, but. But equally those like calorie count, you know, my fitness pal, I think is in the U S and things like that. When you put in your data, it gives you some ridiculously low number for calories to begin with. It's like, who survives on 1400 calories a day? You're like a 40 year old woman. Like, Exactly. Yeah. You know? Well, and, and, but people believe it because it's yes. like, that's what we're being told. And the, the app told me, the app told me that that's it. So it must be right. Yeah. 
Well, and then you hear like, oh, if you're not losing weight, you just need to eat less. And, um, and then they're getting down into like super dangerously low calorie counts. And then also like working out on top of that. And, um, yeah, it, it's, it's wild. And I was there myself. I spent oh, years yeah. living I mean, in that space. So I totally empathize with people that, um, have that experience. Yeah. But equally it, that is typically the experience that you get. And then our metabolism gets used to that low number. And then it's just this yo-yo effect, isn't it? And I've also been there like, and that's kind of what put me in the health coaching field as well, because I knew that there had to be a better way. And, and that's why doing these or having these conversations is so brilliant because it gets that information out there. Yeah. Yeah. And what's crazy about it is like, people think that, oh, if I do intuitive eating, I'm going to gain all this weight and I'm going to, you know, um, like be totally out of control and just eat like donuts and pizza and <laughs> stuff all yeah. day. But that's not what happens. Like, have you ever had the experience of like going like on a vacation or a road trip or something? And you're like, okay, I get to eat all the things and like, I'm not going to count stuff this time. And maybe for a few days you are enjoying, you know, like things that you wouldn't otherwise be eating. And, but after a few days, you're like, you know, salad actually kind of sounds good. Like, I'm oh yeah, like feeling gross and like eating all of this, like fast food or like really heavy stuff. Your body knows, like your body is telling you stuff. And mm -hmm. so people think that they're going to swing way off. And sometimes that happens for a little bit of time. Like, especially if you've been super entrenched into like restriction and diet, it's natural for that pendulum to swing the other way and have a bit of a binge. Right. Mm -hmm. But your body kind of naturally finds a, a moderate place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's also, there's something like really silly. I mean, it's not silly, but it's silly in the fact that it's, you have to eat so much so many calories over what your maintenance is and people think oh well I was over you know however many calories because we're counting calories but actually you've probably been trying to count 1400 calories you've only eaten enough to give you 2000 calories you're fine love <laughs> but it's such a mind mess up do you know because again and I what I'm loving with with all of this intuitive eating talk it just sounds so freeing yes yeah right I, yeah I think about like how many hours probably a year or two of my life that I spent on um like researching diets and oh. um, low calorie recipes and high protein recipes and paleo and Weight Watchers and like all of the things counting and weighing and being so meticulous with everything. And now I probably, um, I, I don't count anything anymore. And what's crazy is like, I'm not at the lowest weight that I've ever been, but I'm also not at the highest weight I've ever been. I've landed very comfortably in the middle without any effort. And I don't feel deprived. I don't have to, like, I barely even think about food. Um, you know, it's just like, okay, like I am acting like a normal human being instead of obsessing about food all the time. And it's really cool. Yeah. And also you probably sleep better. Your menstrual cycles better. Your skin is better. You have more energy. You don't have brain fog. I mean, there were so many other things as well on top of my nails are so much better. Like, uh, when I was, you know, they yeah. 
and dry and like crack and break all the time. And now I can have like beautiful long nails that never break, <laughs> you know, but it's things like that, that you don't ever put two and two together, like brittle hair or brittle nails and that kind of thing. And you just think, oh, well, it's my vitamins. I need vitamins or whatever. But actually, no, you just need to eat more. <laughs> it's, sorry. Um, and, and, but I love the fact that it just, I mean, it feels like in my body, this conversation feels good. It feels like something all women need to be doing, really. I mean, I um, think so. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but equally, it's just, it sounds so healing as well as freeing um, to not have to spend so many hours and so many brain cells thinking about food and what you're going to eat and, you know, and God, for goodness sake, enjoy the pepperoni pizza. Yes. Right? Like we have pizza night every couple of weeks because my daughter likes it, my husband will eat it, and so will I, which is a miracle in this household. Let me let me be honest. Um, and we eat it and we enjoy it, and it, we have leftovers the next day, and it's fine and it's gone. Done. I don't beat myself up about it. Eat the pizza. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and what's interesting is like, when I think about, you know, when I was in my kind of dieting days, um, you know, I would, when we, because I restricted and didn't really allow myself to have pizza that often, when I did have it, I would go all out. Like my husband yeah. and I would hire large pizza and then be like miserable and full and like feeling really gross. And then all that guilt and shame comes up about it and like feeling like I need to work it off and all of that. And now where I kind of live in this space of like, I have full permission to eat whatever I want, whenever I want, however much I want. Now, when we have pizza, like I'm good with just having like two slices and like some salad with it, because I know that's like, I'll feel better. And guess what? Now I have leftovers. And so I get to enjoy it even longer. Right. Yeah. Um, and so it's just such a healthier mindset around food. You don't have to look at food as an enemy. It can be an ally and something that is a tool for you to really nourish your body um, instead of it being the villain. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's, you know, like we need food to survive. Like mm -hmm. we do. We can't just survive on water. You know, like we do need nutrients. It has to happen. Um, but again, I love it. We are not viewing something so vital as food, as the enemy. We're not pushing against it all the time. And that just sounds like such a beautiful way of life. Like, yeah. Well, and one of the really um, amazing kind of byproducts of doing this work is that when you start healing your relationship with food, you naturally start healing your relationship with your body and having a better body image, having more self-esteem, having better confidence is just a byproduct of that work. Um, and it's, it's really cool. Like, you know, I just, uh, did kind of a check-in with a client and she, you know, I have kind of this like one to 10 self-assessment scale of where you are on things. And after six weeks, she had already like met her goal for where she wanted to be with her body image. And we haven't even started talking about body image. We're only talking about food. Like it's just so interconnected, right? Yeah. But equally something that people probably don't peg, peg as being interconnected. They think it's very separate. Yeah. Um, and it's not. And it's not. Oh my gosh, this has been one of the most amazing conversations. Thank you so much for joining me. So 
two questions. We're going to talk about your period positive story, but also I want you to let people know where they can find you um, and to talk a little bit about your gift, your freebie that you're offering as well. Yeah. So the best place to find me is my Facebook group. Um, it's called the Anti-Diet Health Club, and you can just go to www.antidiethealthclub.com and it'll put you right there. Um, and I go live in there every week and we have like weekly wellness challenges and I share recipes and uh, it's just a really fun place to hang out. Um, I'm also on Instagram and Facebook as Chirp Coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, Freebie wise, I have a really awesome um, intuitive eating journal for beginners. So it includes like the 10 principles of intuitive eating, um, as well as some guidelines on how to start implementing them and an actual like week long food journal for you to actually start practicing this stuff. Cause I think a lot of the times people love the concept of intuitive eating, but then you're like, what does that actually look like? there's a big gap and I you know I've read the intuitive eating books and everything and there is that kind of missing link of like how do I actually implement this and so I designed this journal specifically to help with that um and you know because obviously not everybody can work with a coach one-on-one but I wanted to give you something that can get you started in really embodying the intuitive eating principles so brilliant that sounds amazing I'm definitely signing up um and also they can find you through these uh, social media channels if they do want to reach out to ask about working with you is that correct absolutely perfect now please share with us your period positive or period neutral story yeah. Um, and so, you know, when I, when you first, we first talked about this, like the first thing that comes to my mind is really um, like tying it into this uh, piece of like intuitive eating and trusting our body and diet and nutrition is that once I learned that throughout your cycle, your body actually has different needs. Like it has mm-hmm. different work requirements and your hormones are doing different things that actually like was such a huge relief of like, I don't have to judge myself for eating more the week before my period. I don't have to judge myself for the cravings that I'm experiencing, right? Um, I learned that uh, like, if you crave chocolate, it's actually uh, could be a sign of like needing magnesium Mm -hmm. in your diet, right? Which is like, oh, okay, like, cool. Like, that's just my body telling me what it needs. And how awesome does it get to be that I can like honor that instead of, judging and criticizing it. Right. And absolutely. Absolutely. This idea, like I always get like really low energy the week before my period. Mm -hmm. And then my period, I am a boss. Like I go to the gym and I like breaking all my PRs. I am like lifting heavier. It is so good. So it makes it kind of like that low energy week, like is me just charging up my battery (laughs) so that I can come out and like really hit it. Um, yeah which is really just a cool thing to think about. So I actually get excited for my period week now. Good. I love it. And I love that. And again, it's so, it's so um, individualized, isn't it? You know, but again, if you don't listen to your body, you don't know, you don't know your hunger cues. You don't know what's going on. You don't know your energy levels. You just push through all the time. And our bodies are not meant to be a war zone. Our bodies are meant to be comfortable and house us and protect us. Um, And intuitive eating sounds like a beautiful component to add to 
menstrual cycle awareness and listening to your bo- the body and fully understanding. So thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us today. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. Yeah. See you soon. All right. Bye. <laughs>